0: united states budget during his uh, presidency he is a borrow and spend uh, president but not only that what he's doing is he's borrowing money from our kids to line the pockets of his rich friends and that's exactly what he's done for six and a half years and because nobody's willing to impeach these guys they're going to keep doing it for another 14 months
1: well that's it we're out of time thank you ollie thank you ollie
2: well, it's good to be here.
1: I'm glad you're here. All right.
3: Next week is Thursday. On Thursday, it's Thanksgiving. I don't think we're going to be here. We might. Oh, I've got a series of clips for you to listen to. So please be thinking about uh, folks that don't have food
0: okay. or health insurance. Okay, maybe we can think about mythological stories of the early Thanksgiving up in can. New England. Those peaceful Puritans and... Maybe. how they interacted so you know just delicately and chivalrously with the uh, native people
3: coming up next is mike perini pandora's lunchbox everybody pray for ollie i think his blood pressure <laughs> needs to come down a bit it's your fault charmy <laughs> try to remember we're all related
1: Twenty-four hours a day.
0: It's WCBN FM and R.
3: A box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's that this box the box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have Half a mind to leave you Babe that means I have Half a mind to stay
0: It's Pandora's Lunchbox and WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and occasionally surrealism, and that's important today because we're going to deal with surrealism and sponges and food and maybe a little bit of surrealism while we're at it. And I'd like to thank Dan for doing the show last week. I was in Florida visiting a sister, my sister Catherine, in Tampa, and while I was there, I did not... Shirk my duty to come up with ridiculous things to talk about on Pandora's lunchbox. I, like I said, sponges, surrealism, food, and also some food along with the sponges and surrealism. And on that uh, ta- tack right here, let's go right to Screaming Jay Hawkins. This is a recipe for Florida food. Yeah, that's alligator wine from Screamin' Jay Hawkins. And you know, when I was down in Florida recently, I didn't actually see an alligator, but my mother did recently, and I managed to look in the same spot where she looked for an alligator, and I found something very close, which was um it was a butterfly. Not nearly it it was a rabid butterfly, though. It was a really scary rabid butterfly with huge teeth, and it tried to uh land on my arm and I let it, and it was very scary. But anyway. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food and about culture and where there's food in my culture. Now, my sister lives in Tampa. While I was in the area, I also hung out in some very highly cultural areas, including Sponjorama. Now, this is something you need to know if you don't know this already. In Tarpon Springs, Florida, there is a street dedicated to sponges and Greek food. That again is sponges and Greek food. This is an actual fact. If you go to Spongerama, the sponge factory, you can learn all about the sponge diving industry and see sponges from all over the region. Now, I have this information from spongerama.com that I want to share with you. Spongeorama's sponge factory has represented the best of the Tarpon Springs sponge industry for over 20 years with the highest quality and largest selection of natural sponges. The Gulf of Mexico is the world's best location for natural sea sponges. The wool and yellow sponges harvested from the Gulf of Mexico are the most sought-after sponges in the world. Tarpon Springs harvests about 90% of all the world's sea sponges, and SpongeRama's Sponge Factory offers you the creme de la creme of the world's finest sponges. And if you've ever thought of creme de la creme and sponges, then you know what I'm talking about. A nice creme de menthe sponge uh, uh, cocktail sounds really good right now. And now the Sponge Factory now has a sightseeing cruise. You can go there and, and enjoy that. What is SpongeRama's Sponge Factory? it's represented the best of tarpon spring sponge industry we've been there already but some of the history of sponges we need to talk about a little bit here what is a sea sponge the sea sponge is a primitive organism with a very simple cell structure when you purchase a sponge from our factory it is actually the skeleton of the sponge while the sponge is best known as one of the finest cleaning tools on earth it is also used for painting faux finishing and decorating so They recommend the wool sponge for bathing. The yellow sponge is a lower cost alternative for bathing. Washing the car or the boat you can use the wool sponge for general purpose cleaning the yellow sponge for sponge painting and faux finishing wool sponges are excellent for texture painting where a uniform texture is required and yellow sponges are less expensive and are recommended when uniformity is not a requirement you should know that loofahs are not sponges they are the dried fibrous part of the loofah plant also called dishcloth gourd and vegetable sponge their uses include exfoliating and cleaning your skin, scrubbing dishes, or even cleaning the barbecue grill. Now, if you go to Spongeorama at Tarpon Springs, Tarpon Springs, Tarpon Springs, Florida, you may find a very exceptional, interesting video about the history of sponge diving. Greek immigrants came to the area to dive for sponges, and it was actually a dangerous occupation. Some people died in the process, and so. On this street, on Tarpon Springs, you can see sponges, you can buy various kinds of sponges, and you could eat at Greek restaurants. Where else can you say that? There really needs to be something like that in Ann Arbor, I think. Sponges and Greek restaurants in the same place. Nonetheless, I was in Tourist Trap Heaven. I was a happy man, and I just want to share that with you right now. While I was also in Florida, while also I was in Florida, I also experienced the Salvador Dali Museum, which was quite a marvel, and this inspires me to play a few surrealist songs right now. We just heard Alligator Wine, which, I mean, everything by Screamin' J. Hawkins Hawkins is surreal. That's true, including the recipe for alligator wine we just heard earlier. Elvis Costello doing Hurry Down Doomsday, The Bugs Are Taking Over strikes me as being surreal and it goes a little something like this Elvis Costello and the Imposters. I believe it's the Imposters. Imposters for Elvis Costello and the Attractions, but I think they're imposters, or perhaps they're some folks. This is Elvis Costello and the Attractions and "Hurry Down Doomsday," the bugs are taking over, and that's from the album "Mighty Like a Rose." Now, I was talking earlier about the Salvador Dali Museum, and I want to get to that right now because we just played a song called "Hurry Down Doomsday," the bugs are taking over. Now, at the Salvador Dali Museum in Saint Petersburg, Florida, which is not that far from, in fact, Tampa, well, it was a beautiful selection of Salvador Dali's work. I believe the largest collection in the United States, and I believe the largest collection in the world outside of Spain. But I'd have to double-check that for sure. I found it, I found it refreshingly unsettling to see the works of Salvador Dali, and. The surrealist painter one of the I, one of the things i did was to write down the names of salvador Dali paintings with food in the title so you could really get an idea of the taste of it here is one title telephone in a dish with three grilled sardines at the end of september there's also the lobster telephone which i should mention immediately is not a painting it's actually a lobster on a telephone it's actually i believe a plaster of paris of a lobster on a telephone and that was in a glass case, or perhaps a plastic case. There was Catalan bread, which was an oil on canvas. It was bread wrapped half in a cloth with a melting clock draped over it, with a quill of an ink pen and an ink well on top of it. And this bread kind of looked like a yam, I thought. Kind of a longish yam. There was also average atmospherocephalic bureaucrat in the act of milking a cranial harp. If you can imagine such a thing. I've often imagined such a thing. And, oh, by the way, I, sh- I should mention this. When I came into the gift shop, you immediately go into the gift shop, which I think is kind of surreal. Don't you usually just go into the museum and then there's a gift shop at the end? Nonetheless, a gift shop first in the Salvador Dali Museum and then the museum. I asked, is there a bathroom in here? And the woman at the counter said, yes, under the lips to the left. Right. We're in a, we're in a surrealist gift shop, and that's a fact. Now, some of the symbolism of Salvador Dali does cover bugs. Bugs are prominent in some of his work. This is from a website called countyhallgallery.com. Ants in the work of Salvador Dali. When Dali was five years old, he saw an insect that had been eaten by ants and of which nothing remained except the shell. The swarming ants in Dali's pictures and sculptures are references to death and decay and are reminders of human mortality and impermanence. They are also said to represent overwhelming sexual desire. Now, grasshoppers are another one. Grasshoppers, Dolly had an irrational fear of grasshoppers, stemming from his childhood torment by other children who often threw grasshoppers and other insects at him. When they appear in Dolly's work, grasshoppers are used as a symbol of destruction, waste, and fear. Dolly represents them with a fearful nature, as large and intimidating in comparison to the other figures, and they're often shown in the act of eating the main subject of the work. Like I said, refreshingly unsettling. Now, some of his most famous work was there, but The Persistence of Memory, the most probably the most famous Salvador Dali piece, is actually at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. However, the disintegration of The Persistence of of, time, of Memory, I can't remember, <laughs> was in fact sort of the sequel to that painting. He definitely referenced a lot of his other paintings in his paintings. That was there. And there's also a painting called Fountain of Milk Spreading Itself Uselessly on Three Shoes. Now, this one, the fountain in this one was a naked woman. Her breast milk was falling to the ground. And the, the breast milk was as luminescent as the two rays of sun from the clouds behind it. And in spite of the title, Fountain of Milk Spreading Itself Uselessly on Three Shoes, There Were No Shoes. And this painting was from 1945. These were all at the Salvador Dali Museum, and I should mention, next to the Dali was a deli. Yeah. Actually, it, they called it a bar and grill, but it really was a deli as far as I was concerned. There was a deli next to the dolly. It was not called the Dali Deli or the Deli by the Dali, so I didn't dilly-dally at the Deli by the Dali. Instead, I just ate a sandwich at the deli and went to the Dali. But the fact is... There was a sign there that would have been a perfect photo opportunity. It said, what did I just say? Did I say it? the sign said, you've, you've seen the deli, now see the do- dolly. I believe that was the order. No, the other way around. But they covered up the DA. I don't think they got clearance for this. So oh, nonetheless, clearance, clearance. And here we go. Here's some surrealism while, while my lips start falling off. It's uh, right under the lips. Here we go.
2: Hi, kiddies, this is your Uncle Jazbo, and we've got a real treat for you today. That's right. We've got Uncle slim over here. We've got Steve Arino at the piano, and we've got Watermelon Face putting in a little stuff behind us as we tell you the story of Little Red Riding Hood, Slim. Hey, what do you say? Jazbo? Carlos, that's my friend, oh, and Steve, plays such nice piano there. Well, we're all set, right? You're going to translate into Spanish everything I say. Is that so? That's correct. Havia una vez, hace mucho tiempo, una niñita que viva con su madre en el campo. Okay, so once upon a time, many years ago in the land of Nod, there lived a lovely little girl named Red Riding Hood. And one day, Red Riding Hood's mother called her into the kitchen. She said, baby... I just got word that your grandma is on a real downer. roja, What a drag, said Little Red Riding Hood. What's the bit? Hangoversville, for all I know, said her mother. Oh. Sí, ella tiene muy grande cabeza, mucho, aunt, vi mucho vino. Anyway, I fixed up a real wild basket of ribs and collard greens, and I'd like you to fall by Grandma's pad this afternoon and lay the stuff on her. Necesito que la casa de la varita tiene mucho comida, man. That's necesario. Oh, dynamite, said Red. And while you're at it, why not add a jug? You know, Granny would appreciate some sauce, I think. Cuando tiene comida, la, ok, la le gusta mucho vino necessary mo said her mother. mo okay, uh, Okay. Like, uh, groovy tequila, mucha cosa. Yeah, baby, 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 baby. Ah, yeah. So picking up the basket, Little Red headed for her grandmother's cottage, going by way of the deep woods. Little did she know that a big bad wolf lurked in the heart of the forest. Yet she didn't know that she was running through those woods there. That's right. And, and when she got through the wood and see that wolf with those teeth smiling at her. Hey, wait a minute, Slim. You're supposed to be doing that in Spanish. Well, she traveled but a short distance when the wolf leaped out from behind the bush and confronted her. Oh, la robo! Mira, me acabó la cita roja. Viente, hey! Oh, said Red. Startled, you freaked me out. I thought you were the man from the union. Oh, you know oh, Saint sé quién, said. You know Saint. Sé. I mean, I'm caught up on my dues. Oh, I'm pagado. I'm pagado. Oh, I'm on your side, said Red. Hey, baby, you would be a Little Red Riding Hood, would you? Yo sé que roja, pero no amigo, te no lobo no esto no sirve. I ain't Bet Midler, she said. You know say Bet Midler, said the Well, Mama said the wolf, give me some skin. Mama said, hey, give me some skin, man. En Espanol that's, give me some steam.
0: that's right. That's all true. That's Steve Allen, Jasbo Collins, and Slim Gaylord. And that's an excerpt from the beautiful Steve Allen's hip fables. Surreal, and it's in Florida, I think. I think they're in Florida. I think they're at the deli by the dolly, and that's true. This is Mike. It's Pandora's Lunchbox talking about Salvador Dolly, And here's something you should know. This is a story from actually the New York Times in 2001. Salvador Dali had a cold, but he dashed off his painting in less than two hours. It was February 1965, and Dali, the Spanish surrealist with a waxed mustache and the nose for publicity, was wintering in the St. Regis in Manhattan with his wife Gala and their pet ocelot. For the dining room of the prisoners' Rikers Island, Dolly wrote in the lower left corner of his work, a sketchy but energetic rendering of Christ on the cross. The painting hung for the next 16 years in the room that Dolly misspelled spelled it Y-S-L-A-N-D, as prisoners pelted it with food and correction officials lost track of who had painted it. The years of food fights and forgetting on a prison island in the East River ended with a bang in the spring of 1981. An inmate tossed a cup of coffee at the dolly, shattering its glass covering. Since then, inmates to whom the untitled painting of the crucifixion was dedicated have not been able to see it. After a brief furlough, much of it spent in a crate behind the couch in the office of the New York City Commissioner of Correction, the dolly went back to jail. It now hangs on a wall in a prison entryway. The only people who regularly see the painting, which experts say is worth at least several hundred thousand dollars, are guards signing in and out. It was rumored to me that the prisoners couldn't understand it and they couldn't appreciate it and and they thought some crazy person put it there, said John Mercado, the warden at the Eric M. Taylor Center, which houses the painting and 1,846 inmates, all men. For 36 years, Dolly's painting has been a prisoner of a surreal cycle of neglect, discovery and neglect. Neglect, and Neg- neglect, and neglect. When the Inmate's Cup clobbered it 20 years ago, leaving coffee stains that are still visible, the painting was sent off for appraisal, briefly put on tour, and considered for possible sale. Then it was back to Rikers for another open-ended sentence of obscurity. Warden Mercado explained the difficulty of sustained art appreciation in jail. If you look at the painting, you can't discern that it's the crucifixion of Christ unless someone tips you off. That is the story of the painting at Rikers Island. And speaking of stories, we just heard Little Red Riding Hood, and we heard a little bit of that. The Dali painting actually got stolen a few years later, and it looks like we don't have quite enough time to talk about the stealing of the Dali painting a few years later. But just a brief mention on Salvador Dali dinner. There was, in fact, a very rare out-of-print Salvador Dali cookbook, and I would love to see such a thing. But, in fact, there was a, a chef named Carolyn Tilly who created a Salvador Dali meal, of 10 courses from the out-of-print Salvador Dali cookbook. And I just want to take a moment to read some of the items here. Veuve Clicot is the first drink served, then quail egg tartlets with caviar, small delicate tartlets filled with a poached quail egg, chives, beluga caviar, and a touch of fresh cream. Then a crayfish consommé, young veal and tender shrimp married and trans... married... A young veal and tender shrimp got married. Tender shrimp got married. I believe they got married on a sponge boat in Tarpon Springs in Florida, but that's not here, and it's also neither there nor here. But young veal and tender shrimp married and transformed Chinese style to a smooth perfection. Perfection. Also truffles, Cinderella in flaky pastry, full black truffles sautéed in champagne and sherry with ham and foie gras, wrapped and baked in puff pastry. And oysters a la Brillati, shallots, butter, and wine, sautéed to accompany freshly poached oysters. But let's skip to the creme de la thingy at the end. Timbales Elysee. Edible Valrhona, sorry, Val Valrona chocolate cups filled with kirsch-soaked genoise, vanilla ice cream, kirsch-soaked fruit, and chantilly cream crowned with a golden cage. And that is the last of the servings from the Salvador Dali cookbook, which is woefully and wonderfully out of print. Well, we talked about sponges, we talked about Salvador Dali, and it's about time we wrap up the show now. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6.30. We'll be back very soon, but first of all, Sponge Bob. Sponge Bob. Sponge. Sponge. Sponge.
3: Sponge. Sponge.
0: Yes, it's been Pandora's lunchbox. I've been mic for a half an hour. That's beautiful. That's on YouTube. If you really need to find that, oh, it's over. Forty seconds. All very exciting. This has been Pandora's Pan, Pan, lunchbox, Dora. Pandora the Explorer Lunchbox and this is WCBN FM Ann Arbor going out with a song that is rather gentle rather nice but it is in fact about an orange colored sky which has appeared I believe in Salvador, Salvador Dali's paintings. Here to take us out is Screaming Jay Hawkins Have a great one.
3: I was born. Sunshine Bye.
2: It's just after 7. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.
0: My name is R. Wolf. Thanks, Mike. That was great. Here's the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band with your national anthem. Tonight, for about 2 minutes and 3 seconds, your national anthem will be called I'm Going to Bring a Watermelon to My Girl Tonight. Please sing along.